Welcome to the Heartland Community Church Podcast, a podcast designed to help you in your personal spiritual growth. This podcast is part one of the series, The Art of Letting Go, by lead pastor Eric Parks. All right, so here's my question. What did you want to be when you were a kid? Like, what did you want to grow up and be? Michael Jackson. Michael Jackson. You want to be a lawyer? First All right. Okay, that's, that's significant. That's a yes. big deal. Anybody else? History teacher. History teacher, astronaut. Mm-hmm. Okay, so when I was growing up, the thing that I wanted to be was a professional baseball player. And, and you notice like when you're a kid and uh, you dream dreams, I, you notice no one said accountant. Now, <laughs> I'm, an, I'm an accountant by trade, right? So I could tease all the accountants, all my accountants' friends that are out there. But like when we're a kid and we start, we're, we're like dreaming of our lives, we tend to dream like President of the United States, astronaut, Michael Jackson, yeah. baseball player. And I grew up in Granite City, Illinois, which is right across the river um, from St. Louis. And so I grew up watching the St. Louis Cardinals play. And... Uh, I went to World Series in 82, in 1985, in 1987. And, and you know, it, it was funny because I'd watch those guys play and you'd see all these people cheer. And, and it became abundantly clear to me that, oh, th- that's possible for me. Isn't that funny with kids? Like, as kids, we not only think that these dreams are possible, you actually think, oh, I'm well, of course I'm going to be Michael Jackson. Exactly. I'm going to be the next one. I mean, like in your head, kids go, uh, it's not only possible, like it's probable that I'm going to become something absolutely amazing. And, and if you sit with a kid and you ask them about themselves, I mean, kids, before they get to junior high in particular, right? Kids think that they're smart mm-hmm. and they're funny and they're brilliant, like kids think they're great athletes and they great artists like this kids just have like this thing about them I I was thinking about it because so Harrison he's our youngest and it was probably two years ago he might have been 10 we we had a bike to school um day so we're on our bikes and so we're biking to school and all these packs of kids keep passing us the other direction because they were going to the other school and um they would pack a four come by hey Harry they drive by another pack of five. Hey, Harry. After the third pack of like, now it had been like 15 kids said, hey, I kind of bike up next to him. I'm going, hey, dude, what? who are all these kids? And he looked back, he goes, dad, I don't have any idea. I'm like, you don't have any idea who all these kids are? And he goes, oh, dad, I'm super famous. <laughs> But isn't, no, isn't that a kid? Like kids think, they think I'm great. I'm famous. I'm good. I, I, and and this, is what, this is what's funny to me is that as children, all of us at some level were that way yeah, when we were yeah, children. Yeah. In fact, all of us, we might not know this verse when we're 10 years old, but the truth is when Jesus said that he had come to give us life and give it abundantly, as a kid, you believe that. You're like, oh, of course. Of course he did. And then life happens. And life has this way of beating that out of you. Doesn't it? Like where you get to junior high, and junior high you realize that you're either too short or you're too tall, you're too skinny, you're too fat, you're too dumb, you're too smart. Like you're never right in junior high. 
there's nothing you can do to ever get right. And, and so then you move on and you realize in high school that maybe you aren't going to achieve your dreams. You know, life does this, right? Like something happens, a devastating breakup or you have a divorce. Throughout life, you might have a crushing job loss or personal loss. Like yeah. this is what life does. Life just begins to remind us that abundant life is not for us. Mm. It just does too many, too many times. That, that is for other people, but it's not for me. You know, I, I've thought about pain and how it creates wounds in us. And as children, oftentimes some of the stuff that lasts the longest and we carry around the longest with us happens sometime, and I still think 20-year-olds are kids, right? Sometime when we were kids, right? Mm-hmm. And, and pain, hurt hits, creates pain and pain creates wounds. Now, now wounds often will become scars and we have these scars with us, but this is what's interesting about scars is that scars tell us what happened to us Mm-hmm. But for lots of people, scars we allowed to dictate what happens in the future. That's good. Right? That's good. Like this is what begins to happen around like how we deal with pain. And, and when we live out of woundedness, mm-hmm. which, which is what we call baggage, right? This is like a, a metaphor that we use, baggage. When we live out of woundedness, it has a prof- profound effect on our future. You know, many of us were marked at a young age, sometimes for good, but oftentimes for bad. And we bear these scars, and there isn't a person alive who hasn't been hurt, who who hasn't experienced heartache or grief. Like, this is pretty normal. And each of us have had our, like, moments, these things that we've walked through in life, the things that we've sort of carried around with us. But here's the question, and here's what we have to wrestle with. How long are we willing to carry around the baggage of the past if we know it will be the primary blocker of the future that Jesus has for us? Like, how long will we do that? You know, I I think the one thing we have to get straight, right, right, right away, to anybody, like those of you that are joining us at Harlan online, is you have baggage. You have it. Every single one of us. Nobody's free of this. Like, if we're being honest, every single one of us have, have had moments in our life that has marked us. Pain that we carry around at some level, right? And let's be clear. Let, let's just get on the same page. What is baggage? What is emotional baggage? It's just hangups and insecurities that we carry around from our past experiences. That's what it is. That's what baggage is. And this is a normal thing. It's normal. It's not abnormal to have baggage. Like, we have it. That's real. The problem is, is that we let baggage dictate our future. Come on. You can't unpick your mom and dad. You don't get to do that, right? You don't get to unpick what happened to you. That's real. But we do get to decide, do we let what happened to us dictate the future? You know, I think about I think about what happens pre-20 year, years old. 
And I bet if we all just sort of like spend a minute and talk about what happened pre-20, like much of what we carry around happened before that. I think the reason why Jesus loved being around little kids, like children, is because he just knew this, right? Like in Matthew or in Mark chapter 10, when Jesus wants to bring the kids near him and he wants to bless them and he wants to talk to them, it's because he knows like so much of what we deal with in our lives it's woundedness from when we were kids, like when we were little. And Jesus would bring these kids all around him and just love on these kids. I think there's something about woundedness, especially when it happens and it's not our fault. There's something about that that's hard for us to let go of. In fact, I think that sometimes baggage gets so ingrained, we carry it around for so long that we start to determine Things are impossible before we even know that they're possible, right? Like if you've been told you're a piece of garbage, then you won't even try to shine because you've already said, well, that's not possible. It's impossible for me to do that. Why? Because uh, someone told me once, someone told me once. And this is how we live too often where we determine what's impossible before we even know it's impossible because of the baggage we lug around through life. But what if, like what if, what if Jesus can rewrite the possibilities as to what comes next? Like what if he could do that? Because the Bible tells us that it is for freedom that he set us free. And yet, I know as many Christians that lug around baggage as anybody. They've been set free and they don't have freedom. Come on. They've been set free and they don't have freedom. They just drag it through life. So let me say this. And be the, be the voice to the thousands of people that are listening to this. I don't know what someone said to you and I don't know what they did to you, but you need to start with this truth that you deserve goodness. Yes, sir. You just do. You deserve goodness. I don't know what they said. I don't know what happened. But the truth is, Jesus makes it real clear. Like if you go to 1 John 3, 1, listen to what he says. He says, see what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. Mm-hmm. And that's what we are. Now look, I know some of us have a bit of a warped view of God because of our fathers. Mm-hmm. But every now and then, we get a picture of a physical dad, like we see someone else's dad and we see in that like this beautiful picture of how God sees us for real. So when, when I was 12 years old, um, I had this problem. I, uh, I was a, a little bit of a pyro. Any other pyros in here? Anybody else? Any, okay, there's a few. We know who to watch. We know what to look for. I, so, I, you know, like I'm like a guy. I like to set stuff on fire and, you know, it felt really great. So my parents would always say, my parents would always say, my, my parents would say, listen, you cannot play with fire. But if you do, don't, don't, don't go set stuff on fire out in the field. There was this field and it was like a dilapidated two-acre wooded area. And we had a clubhouse out there, me and, me and some of the neighborhood buddies. Well, of course, my parents leave. And the first thing we do is go out to the clubhouse. That's what you do. And I'm like, we're going to build a fire. So we went out there and we've got some sticks and we built a little fire. And once it was like, you know, like we did it. We, I am man, this is fire. Well, we let it burn. And then we went off to do whatever it is that we were doing. Went to our clubhouse. I come back and I tell my buddy, I'm like, Billy, 
the tree's on fire. Well, the tree had caught on fire. So we came out with a stick. We're trying to beat the tree down to get the fire down. But at this point, it was a dry July in you know, the Midwest. It caught some grass on fire. And as soon as the grass caught on fire, and all of a sudden, I'm not kidding, all over. It went out into the farmer's field because he had just harvested. So it was all the dry stocks. It caught that on fire. It was a raging inferno. And I'm like, I'm gonna die, right? So the fire department had to come. There was multiple fire trucks. It was, it was, I'm, I'm dead. It's over, I'm dead. And so I, I came back to my house and of course my dad was like, Do you, to the room. So I went to my room and I sat there sort of thinking at 12 years old, I'm like, so this is, this is how it all ends. This is how, how it ends. And my dad, it goes out in a blaze of glory. And I'm thinking, I'm, I'm thinking as I'm sitting on the bed, I'm like, I'm like, Eric, what, what are you doing? Why'd you do this? Well, my dad just let me sit. And it was a tactic, I'm sure. He just let me sit. And it, it what felt like, it felt hours. I just sat and sat. And as I sat, I kept thinking about how it was all going to end. And, and finally, my dad, I see the door, you know, they see the door crack open and he walks in and, and, I, and he's, I'm quite sure, going to tear into me. Like, I just burned down a field. I almost <laughs> cost him his livelihood, right? He comes in, he doesn't say a word. And he, he, he has a, a bat bag and he puts it up on the bed. He zips it open. There's a brand new baseball glove inside. And he said, now I want you to remember this moment. He goes, this is what grace is, son. And he left and he walked out. And of course, I, I, I'm, I actually felt weird, worse about myself because I'm like, I don't deserve any of that. I don't deserve that. I'm awful, right? This is, this is what, what, what the apostle is talking about. This is what Ephesians 2 means, but God being rich in mercy. Right? That's the Apostle Paul says, rich in mercy because of great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead to our trespasses. Right? He said, he makes us alive in Christ, and by grace we're saved. In other words, he's like, I know. I know you burned down a field. I know you've messed up your life. In fact, I, I run into people all the time. They're like, I can't have what God wants for me because if you looked at my life, what I've done, the decisions I've made, it looks like the field you torched. My God. Like I just torched everyone and everybody. And oftentimes we're like, well, maybe what I have to do is live sort of fire free for a while and then God will come and embrace me, right? <laughs> but but that's, not what, that's not what the apostle says to us. He says, while we were yet sinners, yes, sinners. Yes. while we were yet messing stuff up, Amen. like he picked us. And by grace, we're saved by faith. But here, 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 is, here is why baggage matters. None of that matters if you can't move past the mess. See? Because the truth is, you can get in your own way. We do it all the time. We can live in bondage even when we've been set free. We can come to Jesus and live in bondage and why? Because we believe uh, the hurt, the pain, the past, the baggage. Mm-hmm. We're not willing to let it go. And so we're in this, starting this series. And, and I, think, 
I don't do you any favors if we don't just get practical and say, look, then what does it look like to let go? Because a lot of us are dragging these, bag, these bags through life. What does it look like to let go? So here's what I want you to remember. Here it is. H-H-M-H. Okay, say it. H-H-M-H. This is a virtuous cycle of letting go. What I'm about to talk you through is this is how you begin to walk towards what God has for you. If it says, if it says, like he came to give you life abundantly, not just life support, life abundantly, right? Then what do we do to move past what gets in our way? And I think baggage, luggage, this stuff, it gets in our way. So H, here's where it starts. Starts in your head. Starts up here. We have to think new thoughts. Mm. Think about how much power the mind has over what we do. This is what Romans 2.12 says. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, right? That's what it says. This is step one. You have to get new thoughts. Now, where do you get new thoughts? The Bible, God's word. See, I know some of us are like, well, maybe I just need to get some new thoughts about myself. What happens when you try to just do positive self-talk? After a while, you just start repeating the phrases that someone said to you, and all of a sudden, you're in the same mess you've always been in. You can't get the right thoughts. That's why God's word's so important, that we take truths about us and we begin to put them in our head. We start to put them in our head. Now, that's H, second H. You can't just do it once. We, we talk about ruminating. If you want to get from your head to the step to your heart, you have to learn to dwell on a truth. See, that's what got us in the mess we're in. You didn't didn't get in the mess you're in because you once had a thought. Mm. Stay there. Come on. Stay there, Red. Come Come on. on. That's good. You're in a mess because you once had a thought that you kept thinking about for a long, long time. It went from here to here, right? Heart, we start ruminating. Ephesians 1.18 says, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, right? Mm -hmm. That you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. In other words, we start to take God's word and as we ruminate on it, it begins to filter into our heart. Mm -hmm. Now, I think these two things the spirit has to really help us with this. I actually think if the, these two areas, head and heart, we have a role in this, but it's God's spirit that begins to reveal his truth in our minds and reveal it in our hearts. But these next two steps, I actually think the percentages switch to now we have to lead. Mm-hmm. Spirit leads with head and heart. We lead through step three. This is mouth, that's the M. Yeah. And this is what we speak. Because see, the truth is, you can have all kinds of good thoughts and you can ruminate it, mm-hmm. but I, I, I find this to be true. Oftentimes, what I'll, what I'll mirror in my language is exactly what is at the depths of my heart, right? Mm-hmm. And too often, what we do is we, some of us, man, we speak death everywhere that we go. Now, death isn't always like, you would think. It's not like you just come in cracking people in the head. Speaking death is just when you don't speak truth. See, there is no neutral thoughts. There's only positive thoughts that spiral you to God or negative thoughts that spiral you down to, toward the evil one. There are no middle thoughts, no middle words. So if you're not speaking life, 
then you're speaking death. We have to learn how to speak truth. Speak truth truth in rooms, speak truth to kids. And importantly, we have to speak truth to ourselves. Like we have to learn to say the words out loud to ourselves. Listen to this. I ran across this. There's this book called Spiritual Depression. Martin Lloyd-Jones wrote. Listen to this quote. He says, you have to take yourself in hand. You have to address yourself, preach to yourself, question yourself. You must say to your soul, why art thou cast down? What business have you to be disquieted? You must turn on yourself, unbraid yourself, condemn yourself, exhort yourself, say to yourself, hope thou in God. Instead of muttering in this depressed, unhappy way, And then you must go on to remind yourself of God, who God is, what God is, and what God has done, and what God has pledged himself to do. That's mouth, right? And look at, I love this, in Psalms 42, the psalmist is writing, that doesn't mean that you're Pollyanna and that you pretend that things, everything's okay. I mean, there are days when you're like, I don't feel good. Today I'm sad. This is what's coming out. The, the, the psalmist writes this. It says, he says, you know, um, when, when you look at this, my tears have been my food day and night in verse three. He says it. He says, I'm sad. I've been, been rough. But then he follows it up and he says, why my soul are you downcast? You know what I'm saying? Like he, he speaks truth to himself. So starts in our head, we ruminate, it goes to our heart, then we have to speak the truth. But listen, the last H is absolutely critical. It's your hands. It's what you now do, Mm -hmm. right? Think it, ruminate it, feel it. Now we say it, then we gotta do it. We gotta put our hands to it. Philippians 1, 6 says, there has never been the slightest doubt in my mind that the God who started this great work in you would keep at it and bring it to a flourishing finish. He says, look, I see it, but you have to go and do the good work. You got to go do it. You got to put your hands to it. And listen, if you skip any of these steps, you will never let go of the baggage. And this is why I said it's a, it's this, um, this, this cycle, this thing that happens. Best analogy, you ever been bowling? Y'all been bowling, right? Been bowling. Oh, plenty of times. Okay. So you know how it is with bowling? Like, I think we look at this virtuous cycle and we go, well, what needs to happen is for me to let go of my baggage, the thing that happened to me a long time ago, what I need to do is I just get the right thought in my head once, get it in my heart once, get it out of my mouth once and do one thing. But if, if, if it's anything like bowling, about the time you let go of the ball and you go back, you hit the pins, what happens? The ball comes right back up. And you're like, wait a minute, wait. And the ball's right there. So you pick it up and you roll it again, right? But, but here, here's, what's, here's what's beautiful about this cycle. Listen, I don't know how long it will take for you to engage in the process of releasing your baggage. It'll be more than once. But what I will tell you that if you get into that cycle of head, heart, mouth, and hands, and you just diligently walk through this process, there comes a day when you wake up and the bowling ball's not sitting in the trough anymore. Mm. It's not there anymore. And you're like, oh, I'm free. H, H, M, H. Now listen, 
Funny thing with baggage. The scariest point in all of this is the moment when you decide to really let go before you really grab on. You ever seen Tarzan? You know Tarzan? You know that? So you ever seen Tarzan? You know there's a moment when he's swinging on one rope that he has to let go of this one in order to grab this one and you're in midair. And, and, and here's the thing with baggage. You can lug something around long enough that it becomes your buddy. It's a friend to you. You don't know what to do without it, right? Like you're like, I don't know what to do without this like feeling this thing. And if I let this go, this all I know. And there is this moment between letting go and grabbing John 10, 10, where you might feel exposed. And that's why this cycle is like, just has to happen, right? Head, heart, mouth, hands. Now here's what I know. Your baggage, I, I believe this, my baggage will actually be the primary obstacle that the evil one uses to keep me from God's plan in my life. I think he does. And he doesn't have to do very much. I do a bunch of the work for him. Now, don't get me wrong. Somebody wronged us a long time ago. It happened. That's real. That's real. But I'm the one who decides to let it sit in front of me and get in the way of me grabbing onto what God has for me. And I know this. If you, if you, if me, if we imagine a small, broken life, we will get, undoubtedly, yeah. a small, broken life. My God. You have one life. You have one body, one family, one shot. We don't get to redo it. That's it. And I'm convinced of this that we have to get serious about joy and fulfillment. Yes, like, yes, we should start working on the book that we said we were gonna write. Yes, sir. We yes, should sir. start working on the songs we said we were gonna write, on, on the dances we wanna dance, on Come the on. gardens we wanna tend. Come on. But see, the enemy of our soul, he is lurking. This is the first part of John 10, 10, right? Mm -hmm. We see the, hey, I'm gonna give you life and life to the fullest, but let me remind you, there is an evil one, there is an enemy and he is lurking nearby and he's gonna try to convince you, oh, no, 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 you're a work in progress. You're not there yet. You can't do it. It's too late. It's been too long. You can't be fixed. Letting go is too big a risk. It's impossible. Don't do it. Don't do it. You don't wanna do that. We only got one life. I came across this quote and I thought it was so beautifully written. What if, what if you wake up someday? You're 75 or 85 and you never got your memoir, your novel written. And you didn't go swimming in warm pools and oceans all those years because your thighs were too jiggly or you had a nice big comfortable tummy. And you were embarrassed. <laughs> or you just so strung out on perfectionism and people pleasing that you forgot to have a big, juicy, beautiful, creative, wonderful life. My God. One of radical silliness and staring off into space yeah. like you were a kid. It's gonna break your heart. Mm -hmm. Don't let it happen. Yeah. You were made for that life. You deserve that life. Yes, sir. 
You can't relive. You cannot redo the days behind you. We can't. They're done. But we can reimagine our future in Jesus. This is what the freedom he gives us, to reimagine our future in him. I think it's time for us to let go. Stop dragging all the past with us. And we start looking forward instead of spending so much time looking back. And this is the life that Jesus offers. Letting go of the past, grabbing onto what he had in mind for us. And let me say this, Heartland, God has not given up on you. He has not forgotten you. You have a future. You have a plan. It's in him. You just got to start living it. You got to start believing it. And here's what I know. If you don't know him, it all starts with that. So like wherever you're at, whatever room you're in, wherever you're listening, whatever device you're on, it all starts with knowing him. It is the first step. And that that step towards God, like he's always waiting, no matter what you've done, no matter the fires you started, no matter if you did it last night. Talk about it, talk about it. Because the Bible tells us in John 3, 16, that he loves you so much that he sent his son for you. And Romans 5, 8 says this, that if we confess our sins with our mouth and we proclaim him Christ, that he is willing and able to forgive us and to bring us into his family. And so you can know him and you can begin to live, not your dream, but his for you. And I'm telling you, it's bigger and grander and better than anything you could ever imagine. Listen to what Mark 8.35 says, only those who throw away their lives for my sake and the sake of the good news will ever know what it really means to live. And don't you want to live? Let's pray. God, I ask that you would give us the courage to let go and then to grab onto the life that you have for us. Whether we've been around the church for 10 years or 20 years, or this is the first time we've heard that you really can save and change life. I pray that you give us all courage to step toward you, that you help us understand how to let go of our past and live fully alive in you. I pray for all my friends who gave their lives to Jesus this day. God, will you help them? Will you walk with them? In Jesus' name, amen. We're so glad that you joined us And um, we can't wait to see you next week as we launch into the next part of this series and we talk about letting go of worry. Grace and peace. See you guys. You've been listening to The Art of Letting Go with Eric Parks, lead pastor at Heartland Community Church. You can experience the entire service this message came from by going to heartland.cc and clicking on the watch page or on YouTube at Heartland CC Rockford, or you can watch it on the Heartland CC app. Thanks for listening.